Welcome back into One Winning Pod, where it is officially the bye week. The Ravens made it 12 straight games before the bye week. Uh, very late one, certainly. I think this might, is this the last bye week? This might be the last bye week of the regular season uh, for the NFL yeah. as a whole. Yeah, so couldn't have it any later. But, you know, hopefully everyone had a good weekend. I know the Ravens made it a little bit of a late night last night. Uh no going to bed early with a, a blowout fourth quarter if that was in your plans to catch up on some sleep after the holiday. But um, yeah, you know, Ravens nine and three, great. Looking, just look at that record; it looks great. We'll delve into that. Um, but I mean, first, you know, this is the first time we've seen everyone since uh, since the big Turkey Day or uh, Turkey plus Ham Day. We're figuring out is what it was <laughs> this year for a lot of us. Um, it's a lot of a lot of ham. You know, not everyone likes turkey. Even though you know you can put it in duck fat and gravy, it's actually pretty good that way. But um, you gotta have the ham too, right, guys? Uh, there to you know kind of balance out the kind of relatively bland taste of the bird. Yeah, I know with my family, like ham is usually the one that everyone goes for. Um, yeah, I think I think my parents ended up figuring out like some like wet brine situation with the turkey, which is a thing. Uh, you can do that dry brine or something to make it more flavorful, but. Uh, didn't end up with any leftovers. I was kind of bummed. I didn't, uh, you know, I had like a leftovers, all the vegetables and potatoes and some other things, but didn't end up with any ham leftovers. Everybody wants some ham leftovers. <laughs> so I had to go and, uh, and, and Sunday I was like, you know what? <laughs> I want some ham. Went up and, and picked up another one and uh, just made myself some ham. So now we can have all the ham sandwiches for this entire week. Now we have too much, but. It's okay. Hey, send some my way, man. But I mean, like you said, everyone wants those ham leftovers. Well, apparently everyone except for Alice, because like I was out of the room when uh, my mom was asking her what leftovers she wanted to take. Um, and th- she said that we didn't want any ham. And I didn't find out about this until lunch the next day when I was so excited to make myself a, you know, a turkey ham sandwich, uh, you know, just douse it in gravy. And I go in the fridge like there's no ham. And, I, you know, sometimes I can't find stuff in the fridge. I'm not the best finder, you know. So <laughs> as I was like, hey, you know, I, I know usually I can't find things, but there's no ham in here. And she's like, oh, yeah, we didn't we didn't need the ham. That, so I, I told your mom not to leave any left. I was like, I wanted the ham, though. So <laughs> but Thanksgiving Day was great with the turkey and the ham. Just didn't get any more post the Thursday dinner. <laughs> there are so many things about Thanksgiving that like every year reminded of. I'll, I'll rattle them off real quick. Number one thing that I, uh, you know, don't understand about Thanksgiving is I hear that stuffing is an acquired taste. I don't know about you guys. I can't acquire a taste one day a year. I still think it's awful. (laughs) Number two, (laughs) how in the world are we so bad? Like, we all decided. I I don't think I'm bad at it. But, like, universally, (laughs) like, we all decided we're going to cook a turkey that day. And people suck at it. They're so bad at it. They're not equipped to cook a bird. (laughs) Like... (laughs) All you need is a thermometer, like even a cheap one, and you could do this all right. Like 150 in the breast, 180 in the back, pull it at the breast, the, the back will be fine, and like spatchcock it, for the love of God, if you're worried about it not cooking evenly. Like you're doing all this work, and you're just like refusing to do the one step to make it work out well. Like that, that blows my mind. And uh, I just like, I feel like the turkey, like there has to be somebody in the family that knows how to do the turkey. Why is it always not the person that knows how to do it though? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm just, I don't understand. So I, it feels like kind of easy. And, and, and here's my last piece. 
All right, so like turkey's an icon of America, right? Everyone makes turkey for Thanksgiving. What food do home cooks botch on a holiday in other countries? I want to know. So if you know, if you are from another country and like we've all decided like the tradition is X, but like it turns out no one can do it and everyone like kind of side on the complaints like that's not that good of a, a dish. I want to know. I feel like it's a uniquely American thing to be like, we make turkey on this day and like universally most people stink at it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, f- I feel like the uh, the in and out oven situation. I think is like the number one thing. Like you know, it's yep. it's like the the number one like the cook of like you need to have the temperature stable. If you're opening it every ten minutes to swap things out, like yeah, you're gonna have a bad time. But, but that's uh, what you got to do yeah, on I mean, Thanksgiving, right? Because everyone's cooking so many things. There lies the problem. We just stuff the menu too much. I know. Yeah, too many way things. too many things. Or you need to have more cooking surface. You know, you have a you have an oven, yeah. you got a smoker, you got a you know turkey fryer or something <laughs> yeah. if you if you're if you're into that. Tactically um, deploy I'm, every kitchen gizmo. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it right. Yeah. 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 I gotta ask though, before we move on into the real things we need to talk about the Ravens. Uh Mac and Cheese, is it a Thanksgiving side? One thousand. Mac and cheese is yes. always a side. <laughs> it doesn't need to be Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. yes. You guys usually two. have it? Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah. So, that's so interesting. At least for my family, we never really have mac and cheese. I mean, I love mac and cheese. You guys know I make a good mac and cheese. Oh yeah, but we've never actually <laughs> had it on Thanksgiving. Oh man, no kidding. Well, wow. yeah, fix that. Well, you know, it's never too late to start a new family tradition. <laughs> mac and cheese coming to the Rayborgs Thanksgiving table, twenty twenty four. Good, good. Eventually, I mean, I think I'll just take over half the meal. I made like four dozen fresh rolls, which are amazing sweet potatoes but uh but yeah uh <laughs> if i add too many things i think at some point my parents are gonna be like what's going on <laughs> oh man i'm actually deploying the turkey for christmas we have like a leftover turkey still in the freezer so i uh my thought is though i'm gonna take out all the bones i'm gonna completely debone it before cooking so that like when the feast comes you can just slice it you know you don't have to worry about like you know like no one wants to take the leg i always take the leg because it's it's delicious but like <laughs> no one wants the leg because all the little tendons but what if you take them all out that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> good luck with that man that's that sounds like a big time <laughs> oh yeah no it's miserable yeah deboning a whole thing is gonna be a pain but uh nothing nothing we can't handle <laughs> all right well so sounds like that was thanksgiving <laughs> yep sounds like we all had a good one all had full stomachs able to watch three non-ravens football games and then we got two slates of, of games then on sunday as well before we came to sunday night game against the chargers um, which a lot of America was expecting the Ravens to win. I think they showed uh, in the pregame broadcast, 82% of America picked the Ravens straight up. Everyone in the broadcast picked the Ravens to win big. And the Ravens did win, but I think this was much more of a defensive struggle, if we want to call it that, or maybe offensive ineptitude battle than uh, we were expecting uh, in LA. Yeah, I was joking in the chat that my... Uh my iPad was in danger. You know, iPads on the sidelines can sometimes be in danger. I was taking that and I was just like, so, I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, this iPad's in danger. Rachel's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I feel like I have to like celebratory throw it across the room. <laughs> you know, like not as actual celebration, but like, like, uh, you know, it's a symbol of my disgust. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I- <laughs> Defensively, I think there's a lot of good. Um, this defense is a championship caliber defense. I think they're continuing to show that. I think they stepped up in a big way, continuing to make plays, continuing to give the offense opportunities to be able to score. 
did we do a lot of those opportunities? No. Um, but I think the the fact that the defense came away with so many takeaways, I think, is absolutely huge. Um, you even, you know, convert more than three points out of all of those. Um, all of a sudden, now you have a game that, you know, the, the team could really run away with. So, I mean, that's a, a big positive takeaway, and especially going into the bye, too. It's a really late bye. Yeah, there was kind of a mini bye with, like, the Thursday night and then, you know, Sunday night kind of back-to-back. Um, but still, I mean, it's pretty late in the season. These guys haven't had a ton of rest for the defense to come out and do that. Um, you know, while they've been playing physical pretty much all year, I mean, hats off to those guys. I think that was great offense. I think there's some things to work on for sure, but I think there was some good. It was hard to find, but I think it was there if you looked hard enough. Um, but, uh, I, I feel a lot better going into a win though. I mean, nine and three looks pretty dang good. So, uh, especially going into a late bye, um, I think that there are a lot worse uh, outcomes that could have happened from this game. Before we delve into the recap, I think there's a, a really easy question to, uh, well, I shouldn't say easy. It's a, it's, a, it's a short question, but I don't think the answer is easy. So, as it stands right now, the Ravens are going into the bye as the number one seed in the AFC. Um, as some have already pointed out, some of the um, teams that the Ravens have short, uh, short on their tail, so to speak, have easy matchups coming up this weekend, so it's very possible the Ravens um, will lose that seed just by being on the couch this coming week. Do we feel right now that this Ravens team looks like a number one seed at this point? I mean, sure. I think they look like a number one seed. I think the reason I, I struggle with this answer is because I think traditionally number one seeds, usually there's more of a, a dominant team, but I feel like every team has shown warts this year uh, in the AFC, despite the AFC being like undeniably a very strong conference and there's a lot of competition. I think the warts have been shown. And I would say maybe the Eagles seem a little bit more of a one seed on the NFC side, but then like, you know, you have San Francisco and there's a pretty steep drop off after that. Um, so I, I do think they look like a one seed, but they don't look like the dominant, like running away with it. One seed, which is, I mean, shown in the standings, no one's running away with it. It's going to be kind of close. Um, it's just that the Ravens have an awful end of year schedule from that perspective. I think it's a good end of year schedule from the, get everything out before the postseason, like get in the best shape you possibly can be from a know what your problems are perspective, but not from like layup games. They're definitely going to be tested. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that too. I mean, I think, um, I mean, look at the other top seeds that we're competing with right now. They're kind of all in the same place. Um, chiefs obviously have the history, but their offense is really struggling right now. Defense is still playing pretty good, but their offense just isn't able to really score. Um, they've been having a lot of issues with that. Look at Miami. They are hot. Their offense is definitely hot. I think they're a little bit streaky. And uh, the injury to Jalen Phillips, I think, is going to be pretty big for them. They're going to have to figure out um, you know, how to replace this production on their defense. And uh, in Jacksonville, um, I mean, they're looking pretty good. They've won a lot of games. But again, like, it's kind of the same over with the Chiefs. Their offense just has been struggling a lot at times uh, to score. So... Um, and then behind that, obviously, you know, you have the seven and four Steelers, which nobody thought that they were going to be the top wild card. Um, they still don't look like it, I think, for a lot of people, not just Ravens fans. Um, and, you know, you've got the Browns and, and then the Colts behind them. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's so many teams that are in the mix of it right now, but they're all very close together. 
So I think with the Ravens, at least over the last like five games, scored over 30 points, which again, is kind of crazy to say like that has not happened for a while. But, you know, we've been scoring very well. The defense has played very well. I mean, even against this game with the Chargers, look, at the end of the day, like it was a game that everyone expected them to win. They did win. It was a little ugly, but, um, you know, holding that team, which is a high-powered offense, to 10 points, um, you know, I, I don't think that's something uh, to be overlooked. So, um, yeah, I th- you know, I think at the end of the day, you kind of just look at it like, yeah, it, was, it could have gone a lot better. Honestly, we've had a lot of games like that this season where, you know, we kind of go into it thinking it's going to be a blowout or we go into it and we think it's going to be close and then it's going to be a blowout. So, I mean, some things like that can surprise you. I think that's fine. But yeah, I think they're they're the closest thing I think we have to a one seed now. But but yeah, I agree with you. The Eagles right now, after watching them against like the the Bills, like they look pretty dang good. Like they look like they're going to run away with the one seed um, in that in, in that conference. Yeah, you look at the NFC, yeah, and you, you look, the Eagles right now currently are the number one seed, 10-1 and one record, uh, plus 64-point uh, differential. Compare that to the 10 seed in the NFC. You got the New Orleans Saints, um, who are tied with, like, four other teams at five and six, plus seven-point differential. Then you go to the AFC. You got the Ravens at number one, obviously, like we're saying, nine and three, plus 137 point differential, which is actually third best in the league. Um, only the Cowboys and the 49ers have a higher one right now. And then you look at the 10 seed right now, which shockingly is how far the Buffalo Bills have fallen, even though they do have a plus 101 point differential, which is good for fourth in the league. And you look at the standings right wow. now in this mess of everything you guys just said, like, I feel like the NFC playoff picture is starting to take shape. It's going to be pretty similar to what we see at the end of the year. The AFC is a mess. I still think it's like you just dump the jigsaw puzzle out and you're just kind of sorting the pieces to figure out which ones kind of go in the same vicinity of each other, right? I mean, I I certainly think that the Ravens look like one of the top four teams in the AFC. But yeah, I think if you're trying to, to rank them, you know, it's like... You're probably taking the Ravens, Chiefs, Jaguars, and and Dolphins or Bills, um, but a definitive ranking of them seems really difficult right now. So, you know, I think that we go into this by looking, you know, pretty excited about what the Ravens' potential is. But yeah, I mean, the the number one seed still feels like something that the Ravens need to just tighten their grasp on a little bit before we start feeling comfortable. Like that's actually something that we feel this team has a very good shot at getting at the end of the season. Yeah. I'll, I'll add a couple of things real quick. I forgot to say the Cowboys in the NFC side. I think they're also looking pretty good. But I think the thing that's tricky is that in today's NFL, we've been trained to think of one seeds as like, oh, like offensively they're doing really well. Maybe they had some blowout games. And, um, you know, defense is like an, kind of an afterthought, right? It's like always the offense had to be there. With this team, we're talking about it, and I think this is like a perfect transition. We have a championship-level defense. The defense is just like ridiculous. No one scores on them. Like, as long as the offense does something, it's like almost like 2,000, but not quite because like the offense is actually competent, just like annoying because they should be even better. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, the defense is really good. We score enough points. Why not? Why can't this be a one seed? So I think it's just like a little a-traditional um, which is hilarious. I, I think Yoshi said it the other day, like <laughs> we pay our quarterback, you know, 250 some million. And then <laughs> we're like talking about how the defense is so good. Not that like we're trying to like putting slander on Lamar. It's just kind of funny how like we finally get him to the contract and now it's like, but the defense is, you know, by far the better unit. And that's just, uh, 
I mean, we also have a hundred million dollar middle linebacker, so you know, <laughs> details. Yeah. The um, yeah. I mean, you said it, man. The defense right now is just looking incredible, and I think they're continuing to ascend. I think, um, which makes me really excited about these. Um, I want to call it second half because it's not really a half, but post by um, the stretch of five or six games that you have there. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of those teams are in that upper echelon of the top half of the league, right? You've got the Jags, you've got the Dolphins, you've got the Niners, you've got the Steelers, Rams, I guess, questionable where they're at. But but anyway, I mean, you got all these teams that are very good right now and everyone agrees. And, uh, you know, I agree with them that it looks like a gauntlet. It's going to be really difficult for the Ravens to, to string together a lot of wins in the second half. But the thing that I kind of look at here is defense is continuing to get better game in and game out. You've got to buy guys are going to get rested um that's going to be a huge boon um particularly over the last couple of weeks i think we kind of talked about there were uh, at times i think when some of the guys on the defensive line just it didn't have the same juice i think um they're kind of running out of steam things like that um i felt like this game in particular having that extra rest between the thursday night game and this one i thought guys looked really explosive right i think Matt bk looked really explosive uh pierce was involved even project washington who was a healthy scratch uh, the week before he got a sack. He was involved. And outside linebackers continuing to play really great. I mean, Clowney looked really great. Uh, Van Noy getting involved. Always also, you know, explosive. So, I mean, I, I look at it right now where, you know, the offense still has a work in progress and that's fine. But, I mean, I, I just, I can't see a world now where the defense just kind of collapses. I think they've been tested a lot. Um, I think they've been up to the challenge. I think they've continued to rise um, and elevate their play. And I, I think the best is really yet to come with this defense. Yeah, I mean, g- good point there with the rest. I mean, we talked the past two weeks in these recap episodes with how this defense was getting, you know, while still playing really, really well, was getting a little sloppy, right? With the tackling in particular um, and letting up some points in the second half. And we didn't see that. We didn't see that in this game at all. It's incredible to say, but even if the Chargers had gotten the win in that game somehow, which probably would have been after, you know, that touchdown that they did get, Ravens do a fumble, you know, on on their side of the field and the Chargers get a field goal and win it in overtime of a field goal kick is probably a way that would have gone. I still think you could say the defense played a perfect game because they what more could they have done? In that game, you they held the Chargers to once again. This defense did not give up any plays of longer than forty yards. You've got some explosive players on that offense, even if they're maybe not one hundred percent. That was a huge win. You got probably for the first time in Ravens history, um, you had a game where not only did you force three fumbles, but you got a fumble. You forced a fumble and recovered from the team's star quarterback, star running back, and star wide receiver. Yeah, that's pretty darn impressive. I mean, of course, there's a little bit of a luck element to that. But still, these are players who are Pro Bowl caliber, all pro level, those three. Um, It was just across the board. You know, it's kind of a boring analysis because everyone did their what they've been doing all year. It's a deep unit. Um, It's just week in and week out. We're seeing this. And this was a great bounce back performance that we needed to see from them after, you know, the Cleveland, uh, the loss against Cleveland. And then while they rebounded against Cincinnati, you still have the question of, okay, well, Joe Burrow only played a quarter and a half. If he had stayed in the game, would it have been, you know, the same performance from that unit? I think they answered questions right there that they're still, um, they're, they're still as dominant 
as they were going into the Cleveland game with the uh, with the win last night. The physicality was noted. I think uh, these non-AFC North teams like don't know <laughs> what they're dealing with. Um, definitely was super physical. Obviously got those fumbles that were that were cool, but also just like it was very tone setting. And I think the other thing that was nice, um, besides just the improved tackling and and tying people up, you know, when you finally have them, like they don't get any more yards, kind of thing, was that in big moments players stepped up. The Millette, um third down sack, uh, or, or rather on fourth down to close out the game, was huge. He played it perfectly too. The way he like snuck in just right before the snap, uh, well disguised, and then also um, the forced fumble in the red zone by Clowney. These are like the big time moment plays. Um, or uh, the the fumble by uh, produced by Roquan right after we had like failed the fourth down conversion um, on that like in in the red zone or not in the red zone but like you know in scoring position uh, with the like weird wildcat play with Gus. These are all like huge step up plays. So I think like they they knew when to rise to the occasion when it mattered the most, and um, just like great all around individual performances as well. Uh, Marcus Williams is looking more and more like himself. I'm like super keen to see what he looks like after two more weeks of rest because he's starting to really look like himself again. Um, I mean, there's just playmakers all over top to bottom. One guy I I wanted to call out. I thought he had a fantastic game. Um, Kyle Hamilton, I think really showed everyone like why he was a first round pick and why he's so good on this defense. I mean, we've seen it in like a lot of games. I think he's, um he's a pretty solid tackler it's it's one of those like almost when he makes contact you'd think that some guys are able to escape from him but with it i mean it sounds cliche but <laughs> because we talk about it a lot but like with his arms and just like hand strength i think he can truly make shoestring tackles and bring people down even when it doesn't look like um you know he has the guy wrapped up he just kind of holds on real tight and you know you know, the guys are, are just not able to get away and, and be able to get down. He had a lot of those type of tackles this game, which I think were huge. Um, you know, he got involved in, um, you know, also in the passing game. You kind of saw him, in, you saw him in the box, also uh, making plays in coverage as well. And uh, I think it was that one play in particular that caused the delay of game where he had that sort of feigned blitz. And then Herbert had to be able to change the play at the line. And then they suddenly ran out of time, caused a delay of game penalty. So, I mean, you're just seeing like all these different things from him of just, you know, seeing why he's such a versatile piece in this defense. And really, like, it, it stood out to me of like, oh, okay, like now I see everything put together. Like, yeah, Hamilton is really kind of the glue that that, that allows the, the rest of the team to kind of function around him. I really do think he's playing at, at an incredibly high level right now. Yeah, uh, Hamilton was the guy that I was going to single out here if he wasn't the guy that you just did right there. He was in my opinion, the guy who had... It's hard to say that he definitely had the most impact on the, on the defense because so many players did, right? Obviously. But he was just all over the field in this game. One thing I really love that we're seeing from him that we haven't seen much of in his career just due to a variety of different reasons is that we're seeing him play in the back end more. You know, not the super deep stuff, but there were some corner routes where, um, you know, early in the first quarter, he had an excellent pass defense. I forget who that ball was intended to, but it was a really good play, forced a third down. Um, There were a couple other instances. We're seeing him play more than just in the line, on the box. But even while they're expanding his role, like you just pointed out there, Chris, he's still doing the things that he has been successful at uh, so far in his career too. It's 
incredible that that you know the league knows that blitz is so lethal that he's able to do like you said it forced the chargers to audible out down with only a few seconds left on the play clock delay a game that's that's the next level stuff that's showing a, a young player who's really coming into their own turning into a star in this league um it's just been so much fun to watch him this this year one of the of the best players to watch on this team this year it, with a number of incredible performances like we've said but yeah, hamilton just having a breakout year and you're seeing absolutely why he was so heralded as a once in a generation prospect when he came out in the draft last year truly exciting about hamilton question i have for you guys like because i feel like i'm so out of it when it comes to national media and and narratives there's a lot of talk in the broadcast lately of like this guy is like an all pro you know pro bowl guy like do we actually think he's gonna get an all pro or pro bowl nod this year like I don't actually think he will because it's such a weird position he plays. It's kind of like hard to define. And I also just like don't truly believe people know, you know, what's up with him. I guess maybe he might at the end of the year because of all these primetime games, like national games. But I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, do we think that Kyle Hamilton's actually going to be respected like that? Because I, I just, I know I like him, but like, I don't know. I don't know if everyone feels the same way, you know, like uh, league wide. Remind me again who does the all pro voting. That one's journalists, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would think my answer is yes, and this is why. I we had the the game last night, and then we have two more uh, primetime games at least, right? You got the the game against San Francisco and the game against Jacksonville. Both games, I think that Hamilton uh, will have to do a lot, and you know, have situations for him to to shine. Um, I will admit, I can't remember how he did against Jacksonville last year, but I feel like that matchup with Engram is one where he's going to be targeted a lot. Um, San Francisco obviously likes to run the ball a lot, so he's going to have to play on the line a lot and defend Kittle. So it really, I think, is going to depend there. You know, at down the stretch, if he he's a star defensive player on a a team that um, is potentially going to be the one seed in the AFC, or if not the one seed, is going to be making a play for it. To me, it seems like a great spot for a lot of exposure. I too do not follow much of the of the national media. I, I just don't have time, and you know, I hate to say it but but you know stuff on that people do locally on youtube i just find more interesting so usually i just watch that but um it it wouldn't shock me at all if he did at the same time though i think you're kind of proving my point though i mean i think i'm going (laughs) to prove your point though indirectly with what i'm going to say next the reason i can't say for certain that it'll make it is because you know i'm not paying super close attention to what the all the other safeties are doing in the afc right now and therein in lies i think the, the problem that you're getting into right there it's harder for guys to break out into the scene you know w- when they're not making a ton of interceptions and, and long interception returns um at that position yeah i was gonna say i mean he uh, i mean i yeah, I, I don't know who you're talking about in particular. I, mean, I've, I don't know if it's Romo or you know whoever, but whoever was on the broadcast. Um, but I've, like, I've I've heard it before of just kind of these comments. And I, it, it's just I mean I, I take it as a compliment, but like not like actually serious because of just how the voting works. I mean I think I think right now, in all honesty, I think Hamilton could be there. I think the opportunity is basically the changing of the guard of all the names that you would hear over the last couple of seasons, like i.e. Fitzpatrick, Micah Hyde, Poyer, um, guys like that. Um, I think their approach, like they're hitting the 
not the end of their careers, but they're kind of like hitting the end of like the height of their careers, if that makes sense. And so with mm-hmm. that, you're going to have new names up there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if like Hamilton's having the best and I agree is like positional versatility is kind of going against him a little bit, but he might have a chance. Um, there are a couple other young names too, like Jalen Petrie of uh, Houston, um, you know, who might be up there. Justin Simmons is playing pretty good for, uh, for Denver. So, um, and then, also, um, Gino, I guess, <laughs> has a ton of interceptions <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> um, you know, he could be a name. I, I don't know. Well, we know G- we know Gino loves taking uh, things from everyone. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if if, <laughs> if Gino stole the All Pro nomination from uh, uh, Hamilton on interceptions alone. And I mean, he would be wor- he would be worthy of it in a vacuum. Like he's having a great year, obviously. But even as great a year as Gino's having, I still think that that Hamilton's having an even better one. And I think a lot of Ravens fans would probably agree with that. Although, actually, I think that would make an interesting poll who people think is having the better year, Hamilton or Stone. Oh, I like that. We should definitely put that on the on the X machine. But I think uh, we will. Yeah, I think I, we, I, will. I, we haven't done a poll in a while, and that one feels like a, a good one for the bye week. Yeah, I go Hamilton. Not, I'm not trying to like, you know, filibuster here for Hamilton here, but that's my <laughs> thought. An initial thought, because I just like... I don't know, like Stone obviously had all these interceptions, but I guess maybe it's like Stone has these big plays, but it doesn't feel like as repeatable, even though he's repeated them many times. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, I feel like Hamilton, like I trust that he'll make those plays every game. Like I kind of like the the baseline per- things that he provides. But um, I also know that we saw, I mean, even when Hamilton played safety, like it's just a different kind of position. You don't necessarily always get the opportunity to make a play. So uh, that's also a big part of it. Well, whichever one you want to say is having the better year, I mean, it's undeniable that that both of them are are having a great year, um, which is excellent. Uh, like you said, Marcus Williams has come back and is slowly ramping back up, doing his thing. Uh, I think coverage has always, since he came back, has always been good, but he's getting a little more physical. Um, it's unfortunate that he did have to be the guy who had to, you know, run into Everett on the one inch line. Not really much you can do about that, Chris. I think you even pointed it out in the chat. You know, not really Williams' fault on that play, but um, tough luck there. Um, not quite sure why Everett felt the need to do uh, the squirrel dance afterward. That was uh, of of all people who you know, <laughs> if you told me that was going to come from one player this season uh, of opposition to the Ravens, I don't think he would have been in my top ten uh, picks for that one. <laughs> felt incredibly random. <laughs> Maybe you just love Ray Lewis growing up, you know. <laughs> I I thought I thought that was the story on the broadcast. That's what he yeah, said. I read about but it I somewhere. Mean... It's interesting too because like you do it, and I feel like you know even though you're losing, so that, like that's a plus. But like <laughs> I feel like it's a way to like you know spark something on the opposing side. Right. It's like maybe just don't. <laughs> well, I mean, every other time it's this is far from the first time it's happened. You know, the most infamous being, of course, 2004 when To did it. Um, but like, I feel like every other time it's been done, it's been done as a taunt, you know, and it's generally happened in games where like there was something personal against the Ravens. So that's where it just kind of felt kind of random to me. It's like, maybe it was, a, you know, just for him to show how much he loved Ray Lewis. But I mean, I don't know. It was weird. It, no matter how you put it, it's weird. It's weird to do an homage to the, to the team that you're playing against while you're still <laughs> losing. And it's also weird for Gerald Everett, who, to my understanding, has no beef at all with the with the Ravens nor the Ravens to him to pull that out if it was a taunt. So, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> no, no <Yeah>. beef. 
Didn't you go protect uh, Herbert at the beginning of the game when uh, when Stone laid the wood? I feel like... Uh, was that him? I thought that, that was one of the instance. offensive linemen. It could have been him. Maybe that I mean, was his... They were all, yeah, they, a lot the, of them were. The but, non-call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a, a great all-around defensive performance. Any other uh, call-outs we want to make? Did we talk about We talked about Arthur Mallette, right? Or did we not? I, yeah, I mentioned him. Yeah, on the, yeah. the sack on the fourth down. I had to make sure we mentioned him. Yeah. Um, he also had the pick. I had to go back and look. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I was like, who, who actually called it? I know someone <laughs> did, but... <laughs> Which black helmet caught that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the defense, gosh, I mean, we could continue to gush over it, but a lot of it was just what we've continued to see for week in and week out. There's really not much more to say than here's this thing that they've done. They did all these other weeks that they did yet again, or here's this thing, you know, just props to Mike McDonald, props to uh, Roquan Smith and the whole gang. You know, they are putting on a, a unit that's really helping out um, this offense, which is, you know, it, we've seen it be incredibly explosive and we've seen it be incredibly frustrating. And last night, unfortunately, was the latter. In retrospect, I guess, you know, it's been a while since this this season since they didn't have Mark Andrews there. So maybe we should have expected that to a degree. Um, I know it. Um, Someone in, in our chat pointed out, it might have been Yoshi or someone else, but um, that third down in particular was was very poor passing downs for, for this team. And, you know, that's somewhere that Mark Andrews is always a big help for the team. So now you got to find a new go-to guy. We were talking about it last week. Odell started to shine against the Bengals game. He had some was looking good early on the slants and then kind of disappeared Zay was not as big a part of the game plan as was expected, even though he did end up having a pretty big game. So, you know, frustrating, but I think in some ways it's kind of good that it happened this game because I guess now it's even more of an emphasis that, hey, this unit has a lot of potential, but can still get derailed. You know, you see that right before the bye, you have that taste in your mouth. Hopefully it gets the guys, you know, extra focused on that, but yeah, my guess is they were all—they already knew that. I mean, they—they they play the games. We watch them. You know that they know when they don't score. So, yeah, it's so weird. Um, I feel like my summary of like I guess this offense is just um, a little bit predictable, um, yet like cons- <laughs> predictably consistent, but just inconsistent execution. Um, I guess is, is a way of putting it. Um, yeah, just there were there's some weird play calls. I think in some situations, the uh, I, I still don't understand the wildcat play to Gus. Um, when you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, like why would you remove the most dynamic player to get, that gives you so many options out of out of shotgun basically in, in that particular play? Um, it was very weird, and yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like thinking about it, it it's weird. Like, I f- fully claim, like, the, this offense has done a lot of great things. I still think it can do a lot of great things. But it, it's I think it's interesting in the complaints of, like, this offense versus, like, the Greg Roman offense. I feel like the Greg Roman offense, there are, like, some things that you know are, like, reliable. Like, running on third and four. You're probably going to get that almost every single time. Because that's just what the Greg Roman offense does. Like, that is their the bread and butter of that offense and you know that like when you need it you're probably going to get it done but the i think the 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 con to that type of offense is okay if you're in a position like a third and nine and you need to pass the ball something you're not very good at doing you're almost never going to get it 
because it's just not something you do very often, right? So it, it's funny, like that offense is more reliable in certain situations, but in other ones, you just, you know, you just don't have the faith because, you know, you like, you don't, you don't pass the ball to wide receiver three. It's just not in the offense. You pass to the tight end or wide receiver one. That's just what happens. And Munkin's offense, it's so weird because they're, the highs are higher, but the lows are just as low, honestly. It's, I just don't know what to expect, like down in distance. Like, what is Munkin's offense really good at? One week, they could be really good at running the ball in any situation possible. And then this week, you're just, you know, you're not going to complete the, the third and short, the fourth and shorts because that's just what happens this week. <laughs> just like the call was in the wrong time, like execution was bad, you know, whatever it was, you know. I think um, the potential is much higher, but just the, it's consistently inconsistent. You just don't know what you're going to get game to game. Um, with, you know, and, and you can pick and choose your battle. You know, some people have a preference to one offense, some people have other. It doesn't really matter, but I just, I think it's interesting in, in the, the, you know, looking at this offense, it feels very different um, from a Greg Roman offense and just like how you perceive it and, and like how the problems kind of manifest. Um, I could certainly say just from, you know, from, <laughs> I feel like reading our game day chat and honestly reading pretty much everywhere else are Ravens fans. Um, yeah, I think the beginning of the game was like, yeah, everything was great. And then from like the second quarter to pretty much, you know, until like the last three minutes of the game was like, what is going on? When is the offense going to wake up? What's going on? Um, it was it was very uh, <laughs> it was very sad to watch. I think at times, yeah, it's very frustrating. the The big thing I've noticed there's like the two major takeaways of this offense compared to the Roman offense is they get to the line a lot faster, which operationally I love, and then they also like consistently have a way to dump the ball off. Um, like Lamar is no longer his own checkdown as often. Um, he has a, a way to pass to somebody else and he doesn't use his legs. Um, cause like this year, Lamar has been running in second gear a lot. Like we always talked about him running in third gear. <laughs> I feel like he like is actually running in second gear most of the time now. And I don't think it's cause he's actually slower. I think he like truly reserves running faster for like gotta have it moments. And he's like being a lot more conservative now with his body on like, uh, you know, I'm going to scramble now kind of mode. Like. It's a, it's, yeah, I feel like he doesn't go quite as hard, um, which I think is a business decision and, and totally fine. Um, but I think that's like, I, I love the fact that they're operationally better, but I don't love the fact that they almost feel to me as um, kind of like unorganized or like without a plan or easily distracted um, when it comes to like when the play's actually going on. And what I mean by that is um, every once in a while you have plays that I absolutely despise where it's super clear what they're about to do. Like when they like orbit motion Zay and it's like clearly going to go his way and like a little like pitch out in space. I, I, I think that's worthless. <laughs> Never do that. Because um, <laughs> like it's just, it's such a, it's such a tell. Um, and then like, I, I also, I don't hate the Gus Wildcat play. I dislike that Lamar was still in the field. Like fully commit to the bit and have an extra lineman if you're going to do something like that. But um, anyways, like, those are like little nits. But what I think is like tricky is that I feel as though when Lamar drops back in some of these plays, while he has a read progression, I don't know if he has a plan. And what I mean by that is like, I think he does really want to see how the play develops before he throws the ball and doesn't 
like look at the defense and say to himself, unless this changes, I'm going here. Like I'm skipping these reads and I'm going here. And um, I just feel like he constantly wants to see someone open. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't throw people open or like help them get more open is that I feel like he doesn't have the trust to throw the ball before they actually establish that they're open. It's like that. I see that a lot. And like, I know like I'm on like my Bateman agenda. I see that a lot with Bateman where I'm like, he wins, but like, it's one of those things. Like if you don't want the timing to be right, you have to throw it before he won. You have to like assume it's going to happen. Know the coverage is good and take the shot. And I think like these kind of like little things slow down the offense. He's like maybe just a little bit of a beat behind, which sounds hard to say about like, you know, an MVP quarterback who's been playing great and like overall is, is a great person, but uh, for the team, but like, I think he's just slightly behind the offense um, in his orchestration passing. And that's kind of been my, uh, my bugaboo. I think it also doesn't help when um, he obviously when he was healthy, Mark Andrews is clearly the number one target, right? And that was not unexpected. He's the guy coming into the season that Lamar had the longest tenure with. You know, Andrews and Lamar had great communication uh, throughout his career when he would scramble around in the backfield and just kind of wait for guys to to improvise and, and get open. I mean... You know, we, of course, we talk about the si- the drafting of Lamar, how much that changed the the offense. But I mean, the the, the signing of Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is the perfect the, the perfect drafting guy to draft that same year to pair with Lamar. Um, not sure if that's how the Ravens one hundred percent envisioned it, but it, that's how it ended up. Um, he was it just has been great for them. But I mean, even though you know tight end is there you look at every offense in this league that has a consistent passing attack they have a go-to wide receiver too i mean you know tight end can only do so much even just look at the chiefs right now travis kelsey's still there he's clearly the number one target but who's their number one guy uh, from a wide receiver standpoint i think the ravens have the same the problem this far into the season odell has at times looked like that guy but he's been in and out with injury so there's not a chance game to game to to work that in-game consistency um, Zay at times has looked like that guy, but he's a rookie. There's still some parts of his game that are inconsistent, particularly with, um, I think the, the deep ball, um, Aguilar, they've tried to work in from time to time. Um, he's had some drops, not a ton, but I think that's made it tough at times. And, and then there's Bateman where no one really knows what, why that's going the way it is. Um, you know, I, I think that it is hurting this offense that there's, not a true to this point go-to guy. We look at the at, at when you know when during the Flacco years, uh, he we always knew that he could go and, and and throw to Mason. We always knew he could throw to Bolton. He could always throw to Steve Smith. Those guys were the unquestioned number one wide receivers um, in their time here. And then after Steve Smith left, you saw that you know Flacco had had a harder time. Some might argue a little before that, but, you know, it's I, I do think that that is something, you know, not unexpected. We, we talked about it going into the season. How is this wide receiver target distribution gonna, going to, uh, you know, get worked out? I think it is really hurting this offense and Lamar from reaching their absolute highest potential, not having a clear cut go to wide receiver at this moment as it stands right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it it's definitely it's definitely tough. I think the um, especially with Odell, just in and out with injuries. Um, you know, I, I think. Yeah, I, I feel like it was it was probably a little bit of a risk. I think to um, expect that from him, you know, given the you know injury he was recovering from, to begin with. But um, but all that being said, even you know his health now with all the little things um, certainly hurts. Um, but even you know even in those offenses the past too, right? I mean, it does. There is a ramp up period, right? I think you know I I, I kind of look at it too of like. Really, it's getting to the bye week and having the extra time to then look at like, okay, who do we have? What's working? What's not? What do we want to try to kind of take this team to the next level? Um, it, I mean, it has been a long, you know, it has been a long season so far, right? And we're just hitting the bye, so I do think there's, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities I think for them to turn it around and to really double down on, on what's working um, to have more success. You know, I, I, I think. Um, Again, like I, I think, I think they're trying. I think they're trying pieces, and we're starting to see like what could be. It's just a matter of putting it all together. I think. Um, and I was gonna say, you know, too, kind of on that point, uh, back to what you were mentioning a little bit earlier, Alec, of of just like the timing of things. I do think, like, I kind of agree with you, but I would say we're seeing it a little bit more. Um, but maybe not on every route. Like, I, I feel like actually the OBJ slants are a great example of like that's a timing of like, you know, Lamar's got the trust. Like he's, he's throwing that slant and expecting OBJ to make that play. And that play in particular, like works fairly well. Like we have a lot of success running that play exact same, you know, player and it's all predicated on timing. Um, I do kind of agree with you. I think there are a lot of other ones that, you know, just aren't working, Um, you know, go routes for particular, you know, they're just, have not figured that out whether it's um something that we kind of look and just you know throw it off that you know third step um you know whether it's that or whether it's just trying to hit a go route um when the play breaks down uh we just have not figured that out um and there are you know a couple of other routes like that where i think yeah i think we need to kind of look back and see like you know was it the right call in a certain situation do we not play it right you know did lamar um you know see that the defense was going to play a certain way and, and be able to make that throw Whatever it is, um, I, th- I think there's, um, I think there's an opportunity now to be able to figure that out with the buy. But yeah, if we really want to see this offense kind of take the next level, we just we need more, you know, more of that consistent execution um, across the board, not just these, you know, little plays here and there that we think like, you know, oh, they, you know, they tend to work. Like everything needs to be run smooth. I think it's not the skill position players, unfortunately, that are being inconsistent and causing this issue. Though it is, I think, the offensive line. So this is becoming more and more of a liability. And I think it's definitely, um, I think it all kind of like lines up. If you are like, why is this all happening? Why is the play a little behind? I think Lamar thinks he's going to have a little bit more time sometimes. And like, maybe I'm like, oh, like he's open, like get it out of there. Like I'm already like over here thinking to myself, this pocket's going to (laughs) collapse. And then he holds on a little bit longer and then, the pocket may or may not be collapsing. I think he just hasn't been getting long in uninterrupted pockets. Um, the tackles are like fighting for their life, um, having poor games. Um, I mean, even Linderbaum had a bad, bad play in this game interior lineman. Um, I, Simmons, I think had a little bit of a rough game. saw him on the ground a lot. Like it's just, uh, this offensive line, I think 
is having issues in every phase, run and pass at certain times. And it's, and it's causing, um, I think it's one of the biggest reasons for our um, stop and go nature of this offense is, is the offensive line needs to be clicking better. And if they're not going to click better, you have to like change your play calling to fully embrace <laughs> the line as a liability. But right now I feel like they're in this middle zone and uh, it's not working out too great. Yeah. The tackle situation is one that is uh, again, something that hopefully the Ravens will be able to uh, take some time during the bye week to, to find a plan going forward. Uh, Stanley, it looks to me like he's fighting, looks to me like he's trying, but it just, you know, I, I even watched some tape of his from 2020, even last year to kind of try and compare. And, you know, I can't say I saw a ton that was obvious, but there's certainly it, it does did look to me like he had, was having an easier time back then. Uh, there were at times in this game where it looked like his footwork was a little slow. Um, you know, he looks like he's battling. I think Morgan Moses has had some good games this year, but the more athletic defensive ends have really given him a, a big struggle. The Ravens are trying to help these guys with having a lot of Patrick Ricard out there. Uh, you know, Patrick Ricard certainly has not been written out of the offense and has been, I think, a big help in in protection when he has been out there. But, yeah, it's tough. And I, I think, it, like you're saying, it is overshadowing the fact that the interior of the line is having – very good season, you know. Um, sure, Linderbaum had a, a play where he got blown up and had a, uh, a hurried throw from Lamar. I think that was in the first quarter. There were a couple other instances where he had some struggle. But overall, he's had a really strong season. Zeitler has picked it up uh, since his early season struggles. Simpson's been uh, maybe a little more inconsistent than we'd like, but I think overall a solid um, solid player. Tackle situation, is, is though, is really what's hurting with the pass protection. And I mean, you even look at it. It's even look, you can even see it in Lamar's game logs. Uh, his biggest games this year, he's not getting hit. Seattle, Detroit, um, the first Cincinnati game, Tennessee. You know, when he's got time, this this offense has been able to, to execute on a lot of big plays. So going forward, you know, hopefully Ronnie can get rested up. We know he knows how to be dominant. It's just... You know, can his body still do it? Unfortunately, um, is the question there. Yeah, it, it's definitely looking tough right now. Um, you know, the the Chargers do have some good pieces on their defensive line. Obviously, you know, Khalil Mack. I, you know, his career is interesting. Obviously, he was really dominant when he was younger. Um, you know, I think getting traded and you know eventually ending up with the Chargers. It's been very hit or miss. Um, just in terms of his career. Um, I think he had a huge game earlier this season where he got it's like four or five sacks or something in that game. Looked incredible. And then plenty of games where he's just silent. Just hasn't, you know, no impact on the game. So, um, you know, we ended up getting a good version of Mac. He ended up having two sacks, I think both off Moses. Um, you know, he looks, you know, fast, explosive, strong. Um, the the Mac, I think, that people are used to from a couple of years ago. So, um you know, I, I throw that out there too. Just you know, the the Chargers have got some guys like that. Like you know, as much as um, you know, as much as we went into it, and kind of talking about this team and just saying like you know, oh, how much damage can they do? They're so inconsistent. Coaching's you know bad. Like they do have players that that can play. Um, you know, and so I think there is an element of that. But but yeah, um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's a shame. I I, I can't say um, 
you know, I can't say the offensive line is like, you know, terrible. I still think relative to like the rest of the league, I think they're pretty good. Um, but, but I can't really foresee right now a plan like, you know, uh, the 2012 Ravens where they're just like, you know, we're going to insert a player here and change some things up. And then all of a sudden, like, it's great. Um, I, I don't think we have the depth for that. I mean, maybe, maybe you might think that way. I like, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I think we're probably going to have to ride with who we have. Um, and I think I'll probably be okay. I, I think there are ways to get around it, but, um, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, like, Cleveland, for example, like insert him, and then all of a sudden, like everything's fixed. Like I, I don't think that's the plan. <laughs> Six sacks, two forced fumbles, a pass deflection, ten total tackles for Khalil Mack against the Raiders, Week Four. So, uh, yeah, that that's a career game right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's still yeah, got it a little no. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think to your point, I I think that in the in our um, preview of the game, we didn't discount that the chargers have players on both the offensive and and defensive side of the ball that can make plays and are the guys you got to look out for um it's more so just something about this team the chargers they just always find a way to lose (laughs) i saw um it's funny we glossed over it because i think we were talking about the offense as a whole and not really about too much about individual plays um the play that broke the game open and ultimately won it for us, Zay's uh, handoff to Zay. I wish I could re- remember where I saw it. I was just scrolling through Twitter today, but um, I believe at NFL Next Gen Stats had that play as a 0.7% chance of being a touchdown on that play. And certainly, <laughs> there were, it, it looked at first like it wasn't even going to become a first down. Like That's just bad luck there. That is incredibly bad luck, which isn't to discount Zay's effort and the blocking there, which was good. But yeah, there is something about this Chargers team. And it's been this way ever since Staley's been there where it doesn't matter if they're all, if Justin Herbert's having a great game, if the defense is making big plays, the game's always going to be close. And if they're playing a good team, it's probably going to be a loss. I think the biggest thing is that I felt the game plan didn't exploit the, weaknesses we thought they had on defense um like we didn't see an egregious amount of slants even though when we did see slants they sent they seem to be pretty decent we uh didn't see them try to run like a lot we felt like the the run game was kind of abandoned uh, gus edwards had poor utilization and you have to wonder if he was hurt but he was in there near the end of the game too so i don't know <laughs> like it, it was unclear um i thought odell was hurt and you know he didn't play that many snaps um, I thought he was like hurt, like re-injured kind of thing. And then he came back occasionally. So maybe they both were just like a little banged up and using them sparingly and, and top, uh, got to have it kind of situations, but just kind of like a peculiar game plan. Didn't attack the things I thought would be, um, available for them. And then just, uh, you know, up and down execution, poor third down play really resulted in a, uh, an offense that just couldn't get off the ground. I mean, three turnovers, uh, 20 points, not great. Let's talk about something that was definitely great. I mean, this guy, ever since he got finally got the chance to have some extended work against Seattle, he has not laid off the gas one bit. Um, utilization of Gus, not the greatest in this game, but we saw a lot of of Keaton Mitchell, a lot of good touches there. And 
it's incredible. I, I, I'm still not over his speed. I don't know if you guys are, but just when he catches the ball and his ability to just stop on a dime, I'm trying to, f- to figure out which play it was, but there was a play, I think it was in the second half, where Lamar hit him over the middle, and he's going at an angle towards the sideline, and then immediately when he catches the ball, just plants his right foot, and within a millisecond, he, he's running upfield. Just an incredibly quick change of direction. Yeah, here it was, fourth quarter, um, five minutes to go. Third nine or second and nine? Was that, that the play? Yeah, it was it was second and nine. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a, that was a big conversion. Yeah, huge, absolutely. Yeah, so it's great right now to have both Gus and and Mitchell doing what they're doing in this offense. I think both of them bring really unique things to this offense. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the coaching staff looked at the Chargers defense. They were just like, you know, we love Gus, but this just really feels like a better matchup for Keaton. And in some ways, I can understand that that call if that was what it was. There just seemed to be an aversion to to running up the middle this whole game. Like, you know, we, we talked about with the Wildcat, with running Justice Hill inside the 20. It just seemed like they were overthinking that part of the game. You know, they didn't even start. Gus Edwards was listed as a starter, but Keaton Mitchell got all the carries on that first drive from what I remember. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It it It's... Maybe he's Gus is dealing with a little bit of an injury, but there certainly seemed to be some apprehension uh, towards running up the middle, which is a strength of this offense. So uh, another thing you can chalk up to a weird part of the game. But I was trying to stay all positive here because Keaton Mitchell is continuing mm-hmm. to, to be a star in the making and just adding an, an incredible dimension uh, to this offense. I think every Ravens fan is just in awe of, of this guy every single time he touches the football. Yeah, I mean, certainly with a with an offense that's missing kind of the big plays in the passing game. Um, I mean, he's a threat to take it to the house pretty much every play. Um, not as many of the the long breakaway runs this game, but uh, that the one long run that he had um, near the right sideline. Uh, I don't remember what that went for twenty, thirty some yards or something. Um, huge play, um, great too, because I think that was a little bit, uh, a little bit of speed, a little bit of um, you know being able to slow down and kind of get blockers ahead of him and stuff like that. It was, it was a great play. Um, it kind of showed off a little bit more to his game than just you know raw breakaway speed, but still continues to just fight through contact and and low tackles um, pretty easily, which I think is a huge huge asset from from Keaton. But uh, but yeah, another another guy I wanted to call out too. I thought he had a pretty good game, although you know again just his usage kind of fell off. So it was hard to kind of determine whether it was something that the Ravens did or something that the chargers did, but Isaiah likely I thought also looked pretty good. Um, his first kind of, um, extended time without Andrews, um, he got involved. I know this season, um, you know, his hands, I feel like have been a little bit sub, uh, suspect, um, you know, part of it, maybe just the few opportunities that he does have, but you know, plenty of other games, I think he's been, um, you know, one of the targets that Lamar decides to go through and, you know, just, they haven't been able to connect. I thought um, the first quarter, his usage was pretty good. Um, got involved, was uh, was getting some yak, and uh, you know, overall converting uh, converting some downs. So, um, yeah, I think uh, considering just to find consistency with him and and figuring out, okay, how do we keep him in the game plan? He's obviously not going to be a Mark Andrews, um, not the same player. Um, he's not going to be the security blanket, but but still, like. You know, I think you get him involved enough. Um, I think he could be a pretty reliable chain mover. Um, you know, at, 
you know, I, I don't want to say at best, but like at worst, like that, you know, that's what you get from him. I think, um, you know, if he could turn out to be a great red zone threat, like that's even better. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought there were a lot of good things from him. I think Isaiah likely has always performed quite well when he knows he's going to be a starter. Um, kind of like reading the tea leaves about something that Harbaugh has said before, um, where he kind of mentioned that they tried to intentionally get him involved again. Cause he was like kind of down. I feel as though like, He's a real gamer. Like he, he's like <laughs> he'll like really ramp up when he knows his number's about to get called, and uh, I think that's when he has like a really productive game. And I'm, I'm actually pretty confident, likely going forward, um, being able to be a good, you know, tight end substitute here. Uh, one thing I want to say about Keaton is like I really just appreciate like he has good vision, he has great contact balance, but the the part about his speed that I'm not going to ever get over, I don't think, is his sixty to hundred. I would say in like car terms is like some cars do a good zero to 60 and then they, they don't really have anything after that. This guy is 60 to hundred is like killer. <laughs> he just keeps pulling, man. Like he, uh, he's not done getting up to speed when other people are. And, uh, that's just so killer. It's, it's how he's been able to get great angles on people and able to extend these plays that he has really no business extending. He is a difference maker and a, he's just different. Like, there's a couple players in the league where you're like, this guy is different and somehow undrafted free agent shorty <laughs> Keith Mitchell is one of those guys. that's just different. And I don't know how a guy like that doesn't get drafted. It still blows my mind, but uh, yeah, he, he, he is just, he's just different and there's no other way to say it. Um, super lucky to have him. So glad that it's, it's working out. And I think his health and his ramp up into integration to the offense is one of the biggest things that will determine our playoff success. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, scouting report. If I, if I can recall correctly on him, you know, the negatives were pass rushing. I mean, excuse me, pass blocking skills were basically non-existent and, you know, people had concerns about his frame, but, Honestly, that's still that that doesn't feel like you know a good enough excuse to not get this guy drafted in the fifth round with what the upside is with his playmaking. So I mean, just an absolute steal uh, by the Ravens here with this guy. Will he ever be a guy who will be a three down starter? I I don't know. Um, I tend to think not, but still, even if he he's not that type of guy, it seems like a guy who who has the potential to have a long career here here in Baltimore. Um, just yeah, love what we're seeing from here. I guess to close things out, we should definitely, you know, talk a little bit in depth about Lamar Jackson. Um, I think this was an interesting game. You look at the stats, 56% completion percentage. It was tied for his worst completion percentage of the season. Only the third game of the season where he had a completion percentage under 60%. Um, although he has had two in the past three games. Um, the offense, like we said, struggling to score points. You've got uh, a guy who has one of the biggest contracts uh, in the game back there. Um, but, you know, I I think you could still say that Lamar played a good game. I mean, no turnovers this game. He was helping to get the ball moving. But at the same time, I think there's definitely some throws that he missed. Certainly sometimes it was the receivers who, who allowed him down. But um, there are other times he skipped it low. Like we said, there were times the offensive line didn't block perfectly for him. Um I don't know. It was kind of a tough game to to uh, to read on Lamar. How much of the offensive struggle do we put on him, or from the around him? I tend to think that probably, you know, I, we can do it. Say it's a little more of the offense around him, but still, I think going forward, you would like to see him 
take over a little more than we saw from him this game and not, you know, have some more urgency on the offense, not have the game draw out as long as it did against an opponent that the Ravens clearly had the upper hand on for a good portion of that game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, I mean, you know, there, I think kind of what Alec brought up earlier too, of like, um, Lamar's probably only on second gear. He's not kind of in that third gear um, when plays break down. It's just, it's not really his game this year. Um, I, I think there probably could have been plenty of opportunities where, you know, Lamar from, you know, 20, you know, 19, 20, 20, who would probably uh, call a lot more design runs or, uh, you know, scrambles, I guess, to, to pick up downs when the offense is stalling. Um, I just don't think he's doing that this year, which I mean, it's fine. Um, but I think he needs to figure out how to do that in other ways. And, you know, right now it, it, it could be tricky if, if guys aren't open or he's, you know, not able to, to, to kind of take those shots that, you know, drives can, or, you know, more easily stall out. I, I think that's fine. I mean, again, like we won, like, <laughs> so at the end of the day, like, I don't necessarily think it's a recurring problem. I think there are a lot of highs from him. Um, the great, the best thing I think is just no turnovers. Um, you know, obviously the, that's that's when it gets real tricky, and I think some of his worst games as a Raven, I think you know he the turnovers are really high. I mean, I'm thinking like the you know the Chargers playoff game in, in 2018 was a high turnover game. I mean, look at some of his games against the Steelers; he's had a lot of turnovers against them. Uh, those are bad. Um, this one wasn't bad. It was it was a very mad game, though. Um, I can't say it was good, but uh, there you know I, I just want to say that there's still like. Even in a game like this where you're like, okay, well, Mark, you know, could you, you know, put a little bit more on your back and like, you know, extend some drives to get the offense going? Um, yeah, it could have happened. But, you know, I'd argue like there were even some plays in there where he was making that like were still ridiculous. I mean, that yeah. that completion, I think it was the Bateman where he ended up, Derwin James is jumping up in his face and he kind of faked him out yeah. and then kind of threw a sidearm pass underneath. I'm like, I, like, how do you defend against that? Like, that's a ridiculous play. Um, you know, it, it ended up, having a little bit of an impact, but maybe not mattering so much just because that, you know, I don't I actually remember if that drive led to a score or not, but um, probably didn't. It did. No, one, <laughs> it did actually. Did. Okay. That one did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like he made a play there. So, you know, it's, it's not all, it's not all the end of the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we talked about this before with Lamar. You just kind of, you got to take the good with the bad sometimes. And even though he didn't make a lot, like a ton of good plays, he didn't have a ton of bad plays. Yeah. So, it's fine. He did. I think we, there were definitely also some plays where he, he almost got sacked where he really, you know, was able to escape pressure and maybe pick up like eight, 10 yards. That was where made the, made a couple of those too. Those are always special. The reason I know about the Bateman thing is he got all of his catches within like six minutes in the second quarter. And, um, he only had one target afterwards. And that was the, uh, the one that got called back from Stanley. No, that was that was um that was also in that like sequence of six minutes. But uh there was also oh, okay. there's a target on um on on fourth down um when we turned it over on downs. Um that was uh to him. Right. The sixteen year like on the deep mm-hmm. out just wasn't quite there. But anyways, the um I think it's kinda crazy when you talk about Lamar is I think it's kind of like a weird maturity thing where he's becoming more mature as a NFL quarterback, and he also seems to have more trust in the team uh, at large. So he doesn't want to like 
be selfish and just like call his own number. Um, sometimes to the detriment of the team, right? But like, you know, no one has a uh, hindsight's twenty twenty with these kind of things. But I think he's just trying to play more within structure and trust that the other people can do the job. But then like when his offensive line fails and he's like, uh oh, like I should have I should have ran like a second sooner or um you know, or I should have passed a little bit sooner or uh things of that nature. So he's still able to get himself out of some crazy situations and, and make good plays. But I think his tolerance to short circuit to cape uh is so high now that we're like just not seeing it as often. It's not that it's not there. It's just like, he's trying not to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, like it's one of those things you don't like necessarily coach out of him. Like I respect it. I get why he's doing it. I think like in a perfect world, that's what you want. I'm just wondering like if we're down by seven, you know, playoffs gotta have a drive. What Lamar do we see? And I'm worried it's going to be the trusting the team Lamar. And it might not have been the moment because I just want you to go win the game, man. <laughs> and like, I, I truly do think like in short spurts, Lamar Jackson, just doing it himself is, is probably the best way to win. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, I, I, I trust him more than anyone. So, um, yeah, that's just, it's an interesting thing. And I'm wondering, you know, how he thinks about it. I would love to know like how he thinks about it, how the coaches think about it, like what the conversations are. Cause I, I'd be stunned if he hasn't thought about these kind of things or like think about it because he knows he's special, right? <laughs> but like, we are absolutely like he's he's playing different, and he's trying to be more of a team player uh, in these circumstances. And I and we'll see. You know, hopefully that uh, that has the highest ceiling, but it also has a, a worse floor. Yeah, it's like you got to find the right opportunity for him. Like I feel like the play against the Titans um, in the the game that we did end up winning, um, like that that run on the third quarter or whatever that ended up going that touchdown. Like, got to find the right play of like of that. Like that's that that's the play we're talking about of like doing that, doing Lamar things, getting the touchdown, like, you know, seal the game. Like it's just, yeah. Finding the right time. Like, okay, when can I do that? Um, is, yeah, it is really, I think what we're kind of talking about and yeah, it, it is, it is tricky, but I don't know where I was going to go with that, but, but yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> It's it's okay, it, you know. It's it, yeah, like I said, his game was eh, but that's okay. Like he's he's allowed to have some of those games. With that, um, unless there's anything else we want to talk about, I guess we'll go into our MVP section for the week. Sure, uh, I'll I'll take Kyle Hamilton. I like the kid. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. <laughs> we signed it already. Sure, uh, I'll go. Um... I'll go Zay. Ended up, uh, you know, ended up having the huge difference in this game. Uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Lamar didn't like his celebration. Uh, <laughs> at least the one, the flower, the flower girl one. Um, that's okay. Um, Neither did Munkin. Know, still... They are all hating on him. The guy's getting ripped. <laughs> that's his I name, man. You know, you gotta... I thought it was creative, man. You know. Now no one else he's, seemed he's, to be he's in really on going it. going into the. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He, he's just really going in on the name, man. That's his brand, you know. I, I can't, hate, I can't hate the man for that. Yeah, but, uh, he was but yeah, no, really I mean, ended it. up having yeah. a huge play. <laughs> he was into it in the in the red zone, but it, you know, I can't remember who was behind him. It was Bateman and someone else, and he threw it. It's like no one seemed to know what to do. I don't know. <laughs> that one might yeah, have just like been Simpson him. Simpson caught it and then handed it to Bate, and then Bate did the thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 
they, they got to work on a little bit. It's not like um, not like uh, Tyreek's. You know, some of his celebrations been yeah. pretty crazy, or you know, like <laughs> Ocho Cinco's or something. But he's got a while before he he gets up there. Um, but still, it was a huge play. I I tell you, we didn't we didn't really talk about it, but I just want to mention that last touchdown. Oh my god, that was so close. I like. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it just like. It looked so close to being a fumble for me. It was just oh, like, yeah. it, it didn't look like it was going to be a clean handoff at all, but then I ended up doing it. And then high leverage play turned into a touchdown. I mean, wow, incredible. So um, huge difference. So many that you could give it to. So many. So many. So. Oh, man. Here's what I'm going to do I'm going to give it to three guys. Three guys who fought hard <laughs> in this game. Jadavion Clowney, Brent Urban, Michael Pierce. All of them recovered fumble. All of them wreaked havoc on the line. Uh, defense, honestly, I feel like the whole defense should get the MVP. Um, everyone played great, but I'll, I'll single out those three guys for their work in the fumble uh, recovery uh, game. Uh, at least one of those guys had one of the forces as well. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Clowney, of course, on that sack late in the game, but... Man, what an what a performance by this defense! Maybe one of the all time great performances for a Ravens defense, and uh, that's saying something because we we know there's certainly been many uh, incredibly great ones through the years with for this franchise. Truly think that they do deserve the game ball. Lamar thought that too in the post game interview, and uh, we'll wrap it up like that. The defense was great, the offense work in progress, but everyone needs to go self scout and figure it out over the bye week. Get healthy. And we'll figure things out, too, over the bye week. So you can reach out to us at One Winning Pod. Let us know about those, uh, you know, customs in other countries, if there's any uh, dishes people are bad at. or uh, <laughs> And also let us know what you thought about the game and MVPs and things of that nature. We always love to hear your, your thoughts on the things. You can find us at One Winning Pod everywhere uh, that you interact with us. And, uh, you know, it's a bye week. We'll figure out what we're going to do. And if we talk to you, we'll talk to you next week. If not... We'll see you after the uh, Rams game. All in all, though, go Ravens.